Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? A Jewish-owned hotel in Nairobi, Kenya is bombed, killing 18. Apple makes its initial public offering on the U.S. stock market. And John Lennon is shot and killed in New York. This is December 1980. You're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. Brian. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce brings us this classic album from 1980. What you got, Bruce? Yes, indeed. This was released on November 21st, 1980, so it's only about a week old as of December. This is the album High Infidelity by REO Speedwagon. What a monster album. It really was, wasn't it, Rob? High Infidelity would be the biggest selling rock album of 1981. It took the top spot on the Billboard 200, uh, and over time it has sold, it's been certified 10 times platinum. Wow. So what comes to mind when you think of REO Speedwagon? High school. Okay. That's a good point. I mean, what's That's going true. on in life? This I, album cover, I just thought this was like a super sexy album cover. Yeah. I had the album, and I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I have this album. So what was the album cover? Do you remember? What, yeah, it what? was this girl putting lipstick on in the foreground. In the background, the guy's putting the album on the turntable, uh, I think. On the hi-fi. On the hi-fi, yes. On the high fidelity. Yes. The hi-fi, and he's about to commit high infidelity. Yes. Oh, so it's a little bit of a little bit of a pun. They did that. The thing that I think about with with REO Speedwagon is this echo sound. Oh you know? yes, yeah. They've always got this this. You're right. High intensity echo in the in the vocals. Yes. It's very very well produced. Yeah, it is. It really is. The 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 track. Uh, this is this track is "Don't Let Him Go." It's the it's the opening track. It was the third single released. Uh, Kevin Cronin wrote it. And uh, the idea was around breaking up with a long-time girlfriend. It's about not taking the man you have for granted. Um, I don't know. I, I like this. It's really up-tempo. I, I really like that. It's got, got that. got the bow diddly beat. That's ex- you took the words right out of my mouth, Wayne. I had to beat you to it. Yep. It's, it's got that bow diddly beat in the background. That's Gary Richrath on the lead guitar, and he is killing it, man. He is fantastic, isn't he? So Cronin said this song is based on the experience of all the band members, and it's basically a plea to their girlfriends to have patience with them <laughs> while they're out on the road. <laughs> well, they were having infidelity. I was about so, to say yeah. with the touring with the album High Infidelity, I yeah, think that it's that's a big ask. You're isn't giving it? them a fair warning. Oh. <laughs> I really love the opening to this song. Yeah. It, just, it cooks, doesn't it? And they're moving right now. I mean, they really are. What's, going back to the cover, I mean, back in the day, guys and girls, 
Uh, we used to put records on and sort of was the theme of what that night's amorous ongoings were, were going to happen. <laughs> and so that was your, uh, your, your enjoyment music. It's depending on the tempo you had is what was going to happen. You know? <laughs> oh. Smooth moves by Wayne. <laughs> You talked about the the sound, and and this was actually uh, in 1980. I had my first uh, hi-fi turntable with the speakers, and it was oh. just like I would just crank it up. It yeah. was great. Absolutely. What's nice is all that is coming back. People want that big music, it's loud. So this is a this is a little deeper cut. It's not one of the singles. I kind of like that syncopated lyrics. I haven't heard this song since I played the album. Yeah, this is great. It's basically it's it's a it's about a girl that a guy knows is just bad news, right? And he just doesn't know what to do because his head says one thing and his heart says another. Gonna make a really bad joke about what head he was following. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it uh, without explicit lyrics there. PG. Uh, yeah, gotta keep it PG. So Gary Richrath wrote this song uh, with songwriter Tom Kelly. Uh, and let me mention the, the the band at the time. It was Kevin Cronin on lead vocals. He's also on rhythm and acoustic guitar. Gary Richrath is lead guitars, and he is just cooking throughout this album. Neil Doty is on keyboards. Bruce Hall is on bass, and Alan Gratz, uh, Alan Gratzer is on drums. I covered uh, in your letter a while back. Yeah, and um, uh, it was interesting that Neil Doughty and Alan Gratzer started the band, mm-hmm. and their keyboards and drums. So they they started it without really vocals, and just yeah. putting it together. So they worked on that for a while too. So Ario Speedwagon. And I did not realize it at the time. So in 1980, December of 1980, I'm in eighth grade, guys. We had eighth grade in high school, which I thought was awesome. And now that I look back on it, I think, what were they, what were they <laughs> possibly thinking? But uh, but when they came out, this was my first exposure to REO Speedwagon. So you thought you thought they were just a brand new band? Here's I did. This new band, band, and now suddenly you go, wait a minute, they've been around. They were ten years going. Yeah. They had, they had, you know, Roll With The Changes, and they had all these other great songs. Oh, I love Roll With The Changes, yeah. too. Um, so, they, yeah, they had been, uh, they started in 1967. Holy crap, so 13 they, years. They started in the year that I was born. Uh, the name, you know where the name comes from? Oh, yeah, it's a fire engine. That's right. That's right. It's a, it's a 1915 truck called the Rio Speedwagon, and uh, Neil Doty was, uh, was uh, in class in the history in a history of transportation class and he saw the name on the blackboard i didn't realize this he was studying electrical engineering at the university of illinois in champaign at the time it's interesting how many musicians started off as engineers yeah they kind of and they say that music is heavily related to math and mm-hmm. and all that i think that's true i think that's true so the lead single for their 1971 debut uh, was Terry Luttrell, and he would go on to be the vocalist for Starcastle, and I believe 
I, Wayne, did I, you yeah, cover I, that? I did, I did the Star Castle song. Yeah. So you covered how he got out of yeah, Mario's Speedwagon. Yeah, we did. If you want to go back, I don't know what episode it is, but yeah, he uh, he was just kind of left on the side of the road during yeah. a, concert, after left, a concert. They had a big argument after a concert, and he was left in the cornfield after a bad gig. <laughs> uh, and that was before mobile phones and, oh yeah. and uh, having any type of uh, Lyft or Ubers. There we go. I love the beginning of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a clip from 1937 from the Our Gang Mm -hmm. series, uh, Little Rascals. I might like this song better than the other ones on this album. This This is is a great one. (laughs) It's kind of a feminist song. It's uh, The song wasn't released as a single, but it made it on the mainstream rock charts anyway. I've heard this. I'm serious. I've heard this on satellite radio within the last week. Oh, really? Absolutely. What's the name of the song? The name of the song is Tough Guys. Did I mention the previous song being Follow My Heart? I think I did. I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah, Cronin wrote this as a, a bit of a rebuttal to the whole nice guys finish last uh idea so it's got words like she doesn't she doesn't like the tough guys she doesn't like the rough guys she's gonna call your bluff guys and you better believe it's true she don't like you yeah i like this yeah there is this line (laughs) and that may be the reason that it wasn't released as a uh single single (laughs) yeah but it's a great story. It, it really, really is. is. It gives hope to the little guys. That's right. <laughs> Stand up for the nice guys. She don't like you. So I, I mentioned Cronin came back for the second album, but then he left. Uh, Michael Brian Murphy came in for Riding the Storm Out. That's another great song. Holy yeah, crap. I love that song. song. The live album is awesome. Yeah, the live album. Yeah, really. Well, that's that's, that's how they really got on the on the. The, the, the charts, kind of yeah. on the, the charts. Rock and roll, classic rock style. Yeah, is their live performance. They convinced their record producers to let them do a live album yep. because they, they had so much energy from that. And it really worked. But like we alluded to earlier, they're so tightly produced when they're in the studio. Yeah. It's just it's great. I mean, they do great live, too. They are solid. And, yes, they do. They still tour, so... You know, you can still catch them out there, but they um, um that'd be a great concert. I I'd love to. Go I think to it'd it. be fun. Yeah, I agree. I'd go. Well, I can see something like Oreo Speedwagon with sticks or with oh yeah, eighties. You know, oh yeah, that's oh, they did that. Foreigner. Yeah. They did that. Yeah. So Michael Brian Murphy left uh, after the album. This time we mean it. And uh, then Brian Cronin came back. But the band had approached a guy named Greg X. Bolts to come in as their lead singer. And he turned him down when he became a Christian. So Greg X. Bolts, for those of you who are in the contemporary Christian music, you'll recognize that name. Um, But then Cronin came back, and he's been with them basically ever since. Um, Cronin and Rich Rath wrote a lot of the music from 1977 on. 
longtime bassist Greg Philbin left the band about that time. And depending on who you ask, it's either because of being comfortable with the split in the money. Cronin and, and Rich Rath were getting a lot more money for writing the songs. Or because his lifestyle wasn't compatible with the rest of the band. And here is the song you know. Unfortunately, it brings up bad memories for me because I had a, I had a high school girlfriend. I went off to college, and then suddenly some friends of mine going, "Hey, buddy, you know, you know that girlfriend you have here? Uh, she's not really. Um, it's a little high infidelity here. A lot of, a lot of that. So, I love the way this goes about there. But I'm telling you. I don't think it's true. <laughs> Even if it is, keep this in mind. That's that's I just love that little turn of phrase there. Your harmonies is what I like the best. Oh here. yeah, they're they're good, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, I would say this is probably the ballad on the album. Uh, no, no, it's what not. am I missing? No, you're missing the big one. Yeah. Uh, the big one is "Keep on Loving You." Oh yes. Yeah. That was huge. But yeah. the High Infidelity, this is the one that really put him over the top. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. This, the, the, uh, uh, it was a kind of a pop rock crossover. So you got yeah. it played on 96 Rock, but you also played it, it played on Z93. Well, this was the one where everybody went, oh, that's not, some of these songs, that's not REO. Right. They were the rock and yes. live music band that come out. And then mm-hmm. they, you know, they hit these, I don't know, air supply type songs. I <laughs> You know, like well, said. the rock ballad was really yeah, you had to have time. a you yeah. had to have a ballad or two on your album. Damn it, Kiss! You had Beth and you screwed it for everybody. <laughs> so Bruce Hall came in after uh, Philbin left, and that's when they recorded one of my all-time favorite album names. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Tuna Bingo. Fish. And that was the that was the uh, first top forty album. It had Roll of the Changes. And it had uh, time for me to fly. So, but, but High Infidelity, I think that was, High Infidelity was their high water mark. So and take it on a run, time for me to fly. Boy, they were getting yeah. out of town a lot. That was, <laughs> this is true. Time this to hit true. the road, buddy. So they had a number of hits through the 1980s. Um, Gary Richrath would leave the band in 1989. But he would do a few reunion shows with them. He reunited in a concert in 1998 in a concert in 2000, and then in, a, in 2013, they did a benefit concert with Styx, um, and, and he came back for that. Rich Rath died in 2015, so he died at the age of 65 after uh, stomach surgery. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we had, uh, in our vi- wedding video, we have one of their later songs in that uh, called Here With Me. Um, you watched it last week, right? <laughs> Actually, I think I think our son Andrew pulled that out a couple of months ago, and uh, it's uh, I was a bit thinner at the time. <laughs> so the REO Speedwagon Tours today with uh, Dowdy, Cronin, and Hall are still in the lineup. Oh, wow. And then D- Dave Amato is on guitar. He was formerly with uh, Ted Nugent. And Brian Hitt is on percussion. He was with Wayne Chung. So, yeah, they're still touring today. 
Great memories, Bruce. Thank nice, you for bringing this nice one. Nice ending here, too. Yeah. This is the first time we did REO as an album pick. Yeah, very good. Well, now we're going to move on to our entertainment track brought to us by Right Column Financial. We know what this is. It's not Based Flash Gordon. It's <laughs> Actually, Flash Gordon came out at this time, so it sounds very familiar at December 1980. But this is a different female. And she's singing about a work job that you have to go to from when? Nine to five. That's right. And it's from the movie Nine to Five. That was a funny movie. Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. And it was. I tell you. I tell you what, though, over the years, my respect for Dolly Parton has just grown exponentially. Oh, yeah. Markets the hell out of herself. Raging Bull and Robert De Niro is the boxer of Jake Lamato. Great movie. Yeah. Flash Gordon, we talked about that. I think the most notable thing was uh, the songs by Queen. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I was going to put Flash Gordon on as the song, but somebody already put 9 to 5, so I was like, oh, okay. Slide it to January of 81. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, really. December 1980, a lot of great movies. Popeye. It was Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And oh. I mean, if you, you, you've probably watched it with your kids. I just didn't know it was that early. I thought it was a little bit later, but yeah. Another one that is just absolutely just too funny, Stir Crazy with Richard Pryor yes. and Wilder. They, That's right. We bad. We bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's a movie. You go and see. I know it, it could not probably be made today, but it is so funny. You probably can't find it today. Yeah. One that I... Didn't really think was as good as the original, but Superman 2 came out. Yeah. You know, you got to remember December, that's when everybody was going to movies and stuff. And I have to say, I, I detest sequels as, as a general rule, but that one wasn't wasn't bad. It wasn't bad it at wasn't all. Bad. Yeah. It was, it was really, it, that's the one with the... Uh, with Zod. Zod. The, yeah. 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 Any which way you can. Now, this is when Clint Eastwood decided he wasn't going to start shooting people. He was just going to beat the crap out of them yep. and everything. And I think it's uh, I think it's the follow-up from the one before. Any, any which way but loose. Yeah. yeah, that's still got Clyde in it. Exactly. Right turn, Clyde. That's right. <laughs> now, I haven't seen this, but I, I just it was iconic throughout the early 80s. was The Jazz Singer by Neil, with Neil mm-hmm. Diamond starring in it. Big movie. That's your entertainment from December 1980. Um, there was some couple other movies, and Magnum P.I. came out at that time. Wonderful World of Disney actually um, went off the air in December 1980. Oh, it was there for a long time then. We'll move on to staff picks, and we're going to start off with Brian. You know, I featured this guy in a few other uh, staff picks, but I just I just really, really enjoyed him. I, you know him as well as Cliff Richard. And this is probably my favorite song, Dreamin'. Whose whose voice does he kind of remind you of from the seventies? Oh, I know when you tell me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. Um, That's not yes. How about the name Leo Sayer? Yeah, I was thinking Leo Sayer. I I was I was about ready to say that. The irony here, guys, is Leo Sayer helped write this song. Oh. So I was never a fan of this type of music because just the wop bop stuff is real simple. Drums. I did like that key change. That was an odd key change. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yep. Yeah, I like this song. Here comes another key change. 
But this was written with Leo Sayer and Alan Tarney. Now, Alan was, uh, he helped to write his other big hits. So, and then uh, they said, this was an unusual way of recording because the song was too high for me. This is Cliff Richard. But Alan, who co-wrote it, said, you know, told me a fantastic and asked me to try to sing in the, in the key that it was written. And it's got a fantastic intro and lasts about 45 seconds. And then Leo came in and wrote the lyrics because he would write it. He would write, they would write the song, or they would write a verse, listen to it, and then add another verse, and then listen to it. They'd, they'd listen to the accumulation, mm-hmm. and then they'd make, okay, we need another verse. And so somebody else would come and write another verse, which is unusual because usually you think about it, artists write the whole thing out. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, they would. Well, and you'd have to have somebody like, um, like Cliff Richard to do this because you're not going to have the studio time that long if you know you can't just sit around and say okay let's come up with another lyric unless you've got the ability to keep the studio for a while there yeah. you go yeah but you remember other songs that we've covered that you know Cliff Richard and, and Alan Tarney have written we don't talk anymore you remember we, we featured mm-hmm. that I like that song big, I, did, I, did, big I did Devil Woman a while yeah. long while back yeah, and another one they did was Wired for Sound, which we haven't done yet. But that was I, I know that song. It's a really good song as well. But So those guys work very well together. And we also know Leo Sayer from those big hits, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. When I Need Love. When I Need You, yeah, yeah we love, you. yeah. Show Must Go On. And just these guys, just imagine the, the, the collaboration and being in that room with the, just the thought processes. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're coming up with some gold. Yeah. And just... But this song reminds me of a high school when we merged two junior highs and the feeling you have when you first meet the girls from the other junior high. You go, Hello, how are you? And <laughs> we haven't met before. Hello. Yeah. Like Washington from from, uh, from Welcome Back, Carter. Yeah. Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> so I just, this always brings me back to that period when you, when you first met, you know, the young ladies. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the, a young lady from the the other junior high asked me to because the girls would ask the guys to the the winter formal, mm-hmm. and I was asked by another young lady from the other junior high. So she just oh. didn't know you yet. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our next staff pick, and Rob's bringing us that one. All right, Rob, see if you can pick it up from the uh, the chime. Mm. We know who this is. Yeah, we talked about it at the top of the show. This is John Lennon, just like starting over. And like Bruce said earlier about his uh, appreciation for Dolly Parton, I really never cared for John Lennon. Mm -hmm. But as I've aged, I have an enormous appreciation for what he was able to do with Paul McCartney and the Beatles. I am with you on there because I... I actually chose this song. It's not one of my favorites, but I thought I really want to look into it a little bit. I really want to, you know, kind of get into that some. So yeah, I remember. This is going back to the '50s here. This is that. So it's really interesting. Uh, he he was trying to create this sound, and he referred to it as his Elvis Orbison track. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. And you can hear him picking up on there. Your sounds, so it did sound like back in the 50s. Listen to that. I'm loving the bass chord. There's a version of this where he's heard saying, This one's for Gene and Eddie, Elvis, and Buddy. Oh. <laughs> so, 
it came, this was released in October of 1980, and we're featuring it here in December of 1980. And it did okay, but it hit number one in both the U.S. and the U.K. immediately after he was murdered on December 8th of 1980. Yeah. And Billboard magazine ranked it as the 62nd biggest song of all time on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was, I think it through the entire 81 just people kept on buying because they just you had the older people who who were just following the beatles when the beatles were there and then it was our generation who were just kind of like oh okay we know the beatles and here's john lennon yeah it, it, it may well, not have hit us as hard as his death as as it did our parents but it, right. it, hit, it yeah. hit really hard to a lot of people for, i mean just the insanity of someone killing somebody yeah well and two i mean the Beatles had only been broken up for less than 10 years. You right. Know, there was still hope yes. in yeah. a lot of people's minds that the Beatles would get back together at oh, some point. Oh, money was thrown at them just going, here, you guys get back together. So, yep, and you know the story probably. His killer was Mark David Chapman, who uh, was from Hawaii at the time. He was obsessed with Lennon, and he, and he was very bothered when Lennon said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Like, he was... Mark Chapman was professed himself as a Christian. He actually was from Decatur, Georgia, not mm-hmm. far from where we are. Right. And my aunt actually went on a blind date, a double date, and he was her date. Oh wow. Yeah. So wow, that's that's close close yeah. encounter. Isn't that crazy? I, but, if I heard that when he was in Hawaii, he was drowning, and like a couple of years before this murder. And he was drowning, and a, a, a fireman rescued him, or someone, uh, someone rescued him. And it was like, what would have happened if he not, if he had drowned? You know, it's one of those weird things. It really is, and it was a weird situation. He got a signature from Lennon when Lennon was going out for the evening, and when Lennon and Yoko Ono were coming back home, he walked past, and he turned, and he got in a stance, and he shot him four times, five times, four bullets hit him. And he he pretty much died before he hit the hospital. Well, he, he actually was a photographer. He, he Lennon would let him take pictures of him well before that. I remember hearing it on uh, Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell mm. announcing it. That's right. All right, we're gonna kick this up, buddy. Ooh yeah. Speaking of hearing it on the radio this week, here's another one. What can I say about this song? I mean, YouTube, I will follow at REM Radio Free Europe had to be covered by every frat band party. Oh, you know it. It was, it was like, and the energy of this song is so great. I wonder if if, if, frat par- if the, the bands that do these covers at frat parties still do these songs, because it, it is, it is kick butt. Because back in the day, people, if you remember after a college football game that back before ESPN, they would start about one o'clock and they would end a little after four. And then everybody would kind of head out, and these bands would start popping up on different fraternities. And it would just be, everybody come and bring your own, and we're just going to have a big party. And there could be thousands of people, depending on the bands. I mean, I remember some of these, Eli, Revolver. There was tons of these cover bands that were just so good that they had a following. And this was when you did a cover band. These were not, you know, what do do you call them now, the bands that just... Yeah, just, just they're stay a co- in one. Yeah, they're one they're a cover band and they just play one group yeah. and it's yeah. But you, they would play all the songs that were hot. Well, back to the song. This is I will follow. It's the first uh, 
that's off the first single released off their first album from U2. The album was called Boy. If you remember, it had a, a little kid with a pit helmet on. And it's, it's really the most... They play this song almost every time they're doing the concerts. I've seen U2 several times. I mean, there's a lot of angst in this song, and I'm pumping my fist to it. I'm... I'm <laughs> I wonder if they will ever tour again. I hope so. I do too. Yeah. Well, Bono wrote this lyric, even though it's this guy's real high high intensity. It's a tribute to his mom. It's a, and I didn't know his mom died when he was 14 years old. Oh. So we'll get back. I, I want to do uh, another two album. album. I, I'm, I'm I'm probably going to do War, which is the third yeah. album. Yeah. Um, but a boy tries hard to be a man. His mother takes him by his hand, and then it kind of goes in the future if he stops to think he starts to cry you know and and it's one of those things he's just talking about his mom throughout this and it's it's just a boy's uh, and you gotta remember he's young he's probably 18 oh when yeah he's writing this so it's 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 just his thoughts of his mom at four years later after she died you're hearing all those dinks and stuff in yep. the background. Yep. It's uh, silverware being rubbed against a, you know, a spinning wheel. Uh, they smashed bottles. They were doing, you know, they were doing the Pink Floyd thing, but it was, it was you could hear it. Yeah, it's, those are interesting sounds. This is one of my all-time favorite U2 songs. I it have is to, fun I have too. to put way up I, there. I'm, just going, <laughs> I'm just bouncing to this music. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it gets me going. I just love the heck out of this. I mean, uh, it just, they just hammering this. This is just, it's just a lot of, you know, kind of letting out his rage too. Of, of just driving, this, you know, isn't it? Yeah. As, as Bono said, it's the sound of a nail being hammered into your frontal lobe. Wow. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's a good one. So now we're bringing it back to the man who started it all. There we go. This is Alan Parsons' project, The Turn of a Friendly Card, and it's part one. It's the first part of a 16-minute suite from the album of the same name. And the, the album came out in November, so it was a close call between this and REO Speedwagon for me, which one I was going to do. As an album, As yeah. As an album, exactly. The concept, it's a concept album. And it revolves around gambling and gambling addiction and what happens to a person who turns to gambling in the midst of a midlife crisis. Yep. I, I, I had this album, and these, yeah. these were just great, kind of melancholy songs, but man. So before the show, Rob and I were kind of arguing over whether I was going to do this or whether I was going to do Games People Play, which also gives That's a, a good known sense. Song, it is a much, this is a deep cut. Um, and and if I had really tried to play my cards right, I would have just done a turn of a friendly card, the entire 16-minute suite <laughs> as my pick. But I didn't think I could get that far. And along. it is a story if you listen to the whole thing. There's ups and downs. You know, it's it occurs to me that there's some similarity, I think, between Alan Parsons' project and Rush. I know you're a huge Rush yep, fan. Yep. Neil Peart could have written... The, the, yeah, the lyrics. Yes, the lyrics. it could have. And uh, it's just got a great, this has got a great harmony to it. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Alan Parsons being a producer and how he just put a lot into the, the right. music. Listen to this, this hanging note. 
I love that. I love the way he just hangs that note just above it, just that dissonance. You say he's touring now, Wayne? Yeah, he's touring. He's going. He, he rarely does that. It's probably like once every 10 years. So uh, if you get a chance, pick up some tickets. I mean, it really is a great concert. I've seen him before probably, man, maybe 30 years ago. And just get an opportunity to see it again. Now, obviously, it's Alan just gets a nice, good group musicians. And oh, yeah. So. Always has, I think. Yeah, he puts... Like, again, it's a project. Yes, it is a project. I mean, you look at the list of people that have been on his uh, groups. Quite extensive. This is where he walks in. The cathedral, which is the casino. Uh And then you hear it in the background. You can kind of hear the, the slot machines and things like that. Well done. Well done. Well, because we want to go into an instrumental, we're... Bruce said, I've got an idea. <laughs> I didn't get the six, the full 16 minutes of a turn of a friendly card, but I did get another song from the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> this is the gold bug. Listen to that whistling. Yeah. Well, this is from, um, this is actually references a, a, uh, an Edgar Allan Poe short story of the same name. Oh, I so didn't know that. That's kind of where they get that. Uh, the whistling is... Alan Parsons, and there is liner credit in there uh, for drummer Stuart Elliott on harmonized rotating triangle. Oh. <laughs> Get to play the triangle. Okay, we usually take this time for December of 1980 to kind of go back what we didn't get into. The top hits of December 1980, Lady with Kenny Rogers. Who wrote that song? I don't recall. Lionel Richie. Oh. That's right. Leo Sayer, more than I can say. We just talked about him. Queen, another one, Bites the Dust. That was a huge song. Oh, yeah, and even got even better with Weird Al. (laughs) (laughs) Stevie Wonder, Master Blaster. That was a good song, too. And then we talked about Neil Diamond, Love on the Rocks. Now, back to John Lennon. Over 100,000 people attended a public vigil in Central Park in New York, and they had a 10 minutes of silence of observation at that time. And Led Zeppelin announced they will disband two months after the death of John Bonham. So, mm. not really the great time of that. There was a few albums out in uh, December of 1980. We had Queen, Flash Gordon. Remember we talked about that? Yep. <laughs> Flash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Parliament. Uh. Journey had a soundtrack, and I don't recall this. Dream after dream, mm. I I may have to go in there and, and dig in that one. Now here's a, uh, an album pick. I don't know if we do this album or another one. London Calling, but The Clash yeah. had Sandinista, and I had that album, and I sold it. I think it went for like fifty bucks on eBay. It was it was, and I probably should have kept it. it. It's a fairly rare album. It's a double album. Steve Winwood, Ark of a Diver. You're talking about 1981. You couldn't go anywhere without that. And everybody got, that's when people discovered Steve Winwood and they went, wait a minute. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And then they start going back and, oh, Blind Faith. Oh, Spencer Davis group. Man, he's been around for a while. The Blues Brothers had a live album called Made in America, kind of got all their stuff together. And the Romantics had a national breakout. Well, this has been. December 1980. You've been listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. See you guys next time. Enjoy it.
Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?